Objection to the Rule, live on Radio Free Brooklyn. My name is Teresa Robinson, and I am on air today with my co-hosts, Emily Scott, Matt Snayman, and Jasmine Smith. How's it going, guys? Good. It's, uh, it's, um, it's Sunday, and I think it's raining today, but we're recording on Friday, and we just, this is our first not heat wave day, right? Yes. yes. I was about to say, like, Pat, it's not raining. You're so silly. But yes, if we're talking future past tense, yeah. And it's been a nice, temperate, cool day, and everything feels easier. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to be sick of it by the time this airs. We're going to be praying Doubt for it. the... <laughs> Doubt it. it has been, it's been a shitty past week. Yeah. It's supposed to be nice tomorrow, and then it's going to rain profusely because that storm's coming in, right? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's nice being, for me, I like being inside in the rain. Like, it's good sleeping weather. It cools things down. Yes. Mm. All right. So this week, we'll be talking about NYPD kidnappings, the Supreme Court rulings in Oklahoma, China's deferred legislative elections, and much more. So let's kick off today's episode with the local news. Jasmine, take it away. Okay, so I'm I'm not sure um, if the rest of you on the show saw this video, but I'm sure a lot of people who have social media accounts have seen the video. Um, This information is written up by Salvador Hernandez for BuzzFeed News. The article is called NYPD Officers Grabbed a Protester Off the Street and Sped Off in an Unmarked Van. The New York City Police Department said it arrested the person for criminal mischief and, quote, making graffiti. So this past Tuesday, in the middle of an anti-police violence demonstration, cops threw a person into an unmarked van and quickly sped away. The arrest was caught on video and the clips were widely shared on social media. The officers were in plain clothes when they grabbed the protester. They shoved her into a gray Kia van and other officers on bikes moved to keep other protesters away. A witness said they grab her, kind of push her to the ground, push her by the neck, and scoop her into the van and drive off. No words were exchanged. The person arrested was Nikki Stone, an 18-year-old trans woman, and she was arrested for, quote, criminal mischief and making graffiti for five incidents ranging from June through July. The arrest was made by the department's warrant squad. The the police department tweeted that the person was wanted for damaging police cameras during five separate criminal incidents in and around City Hall Park. There had been a protest encampment in the park that the police had already dispersed. According to the NYPD, the arresting officers were assaulted with rocks and bottles according to their statement, which was posted on Twitter. However, if you watch the video clips, you don't see any rocks or bottles being thrown anywhere. The following day, early Wednesday morning, city council member Carlina Rivera, who represents the part of Manhattan where the arrest occurred, tweeted that Nikki had been released from custody and she got a desk appearance ticket. In a statement that she posted online on Wednesday, Nikki Stone's mother, named Carly O'Neill, said that her daughter, who she says prefers the name Stickers, was doing traffic control ahead of the protest group when she noticed the van and everything moved quickly from there. Uh, Stone's mother continues, what you see in the video is Stickers being physically accosted by the arresting officers 
which included several punches to the face as she started to panic and exhibited that anxiety in the moment. While the officers used her pronouns, O'Neill said they insisted on calling her by her legal name and not her chosen female name, adding that none of the officers wore masks in the van. Because mind you, like with everything happening, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. She experienced inhumane treatment as the officers yelled insults like act like a normal fucking human being and not some animal, O'Neill said. She felt powerless in that moment, but immediately understood the gravity of this event in the context of the larger scope of equal rights and the history of LGBTQ plus being demeaned by systemic bigotry. Um, and the article continues that people likened the video to footage of federal officers in camouflage uniforms grabbing protesters in Portland, which has drawn lawsuits and criticism against the Trump administration. So the difference here is these are regular NYPD. They're not federal officers, but the act of grabbing somebody up and tossing them in a van and driving off is the same. Wow, I did see that video and it was crazy. It would it's, it looked like something out of a movie, quite honestly, and then when I realized, you know, this was happening right here in New York, I was very overwhelmed just thinking about the possibility that this could be any one of us at any given time cuz what I seen from the video, it didn't look like she was doing anything, you know, outrageous. And the way that they handled her, you would have thought she was like on America's most wanted list or something like that. Mm. What was, she was picked up by what do they call it the the warrants division warrant squad so th- uh, this is a section of police officers that people that have an open warrant for something it can be something minor but you have an open warrant for some crime they go out and they look for the people so she was arrested for something that was nonviolent that she you know allegedly made graffiti and damaged police cameras I, mean, I don't know the extent of the damage or how many were mm. allegedly damaged by her but yeah like they they're also known for doing this um in homeless encampments like where they'll go and harass and round up people for minor offenses but they're snatching them out of a shelter or out of their encampment and locking them up for some period of time and they just like happen to like see her at a protest it just seems just like the the way that division seems to work is just kind of a confusing thing mm-hmm. yeah i was reading a little bit about it and apparently it's sim- it's like um functions similarly to like the no knock warrant situation that the cops who killed Brianna Taylor were functioning under where it's sort of like this like bizarre thing that seems like it should be unconstitutional but is legally allowed by a lot of like police departments and it, and it goes on I think like right like Jasmine was saying like this isn't like a new thing but it's it's um in the context it was happening in and there was like a lot of attention being paid to this particular incident now which is good because um, it's insane <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's in, that's incredibly low level, um, and just a, just a gross display of of power to like do something as atrocious as that in like plain sight in like an you know uh, like graffiti. That's um, um, 
I just learned that graffiti is is the plural. Um, it's an Italian word, and graffiti is the plural version. And so, like, individual works of graffiti are like graffito, <laughs> kind of pointless factoid. <laughs> Has anybody? So Teresa saw the video. Have the rest of you seen it? No, no I, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet either. I, yeah, I mean, like it. It felt like sort of something I just wasn't braced for I think when it came up on my social media if that makes sense but like I've been reading about it a bit yeah I, I saw it and it's not um it's not graphic in the way because I understand like I there are things that I attempt to not watch or I try not to even though there's yeah, we, videos that will autoplay we talked I, about it yeah yeah it's like but this one wasn't you don't see I know her mother mentions that she was punched. Like, I didn't see anything like that. It's just really the act of somebody being, like, spirited away in the middle of the mm. day, like, in broad daylight. And the way they just kind of swarm, like, it, that's what's really disturbing. Like, there's not much that you see that's, like, graphic violence, but it's more like the spectacle of someone not doing anything. You know, they're not in a danger to anybody, but they're just snatched up. Um, and like you say, like, it's not something that's new, but I, it's not something that I've seen on camera mm -hmm. in recent right. memory. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like, um, it, another example of how like modern handheld cameras is, are exposing a lot of injustices like across the board, which is really interesting. Um, and valuable, I guess, if th that's the right word. It's all sort of like grotesque, but like on a wide scale, everyone's wit being able to witness for the first time with their own eyes some of some things that need to change that are terrible. Yeah, it's when you just said that, I, I kind of thought like, you know, why do we need videos? <clears throat> um, and it made me think one reason is uh, just the the way that these institutions have been so um, insulated uh, and are so insular, you know, there, there's such a cultural divide. Uh, there's such like a, a homogeny to them, like even, and, and so it's, it's not just that like we need to see to believe. It's just like, we really just literally don't see, you know, like, like as a white person, I know, one cop uh i know like one guy in the military and those are both institutions that have massive clout right uh and like i have like yeah and it's so it's i don't know i just hadn't really thought about the literal invisibility that these institutions have benefited from yeah i mean i think yeah. if you can imagine what people are doing or have been doing for years that, you know, people will call the police like the jump out boys because they will jump out of nowhere and snatch someone up and remove them from their community. Like, especially black and brown people, poor people, um, queer people. So it's, it's something like if they're willing, they're willing to do these things and they have been doing these things knowing full well that they're being recorded and that millions and millions of people are going to see it and it still does not stop them. So it's, it, it's, it's like a double-edged thing. Like I do think it does make more people aware that this is happening, but 
it doesn't seem to be a deterrent in any way because, you know, they'll tell a bold face lie and say like, oh, what rocks do you see laying around in Manhattan for people to just randomly pick up and throw at cops? <laughs> Is there like a bag of rocks somewhere? Like, I don't see any rocks like, yeah. in those areas. No. And and even the formulation of the story, like, you know, what the the charges are that they had brought up on her or reasoning for them to almost attack her because to me that's what it looked like it looked like they were attacking her and trying to grab her up I didn't see anybody actually hit her physically but the way that they ran down on her in that group of people you can see the like utter disgust and just kind of a shock of all the people that she was with and you don't know you know when it's an unmarked vehicle you don't know who these people are so they clearly did not know they were police officers. Um, I think some of them were reacting, thinking, you know, what is going on? So it ultimately just drives more people to hysteria and just, you know, just like I keep saying about this stuff, it's like it's like never ending cycle. You know, that shock value was enough. If that was one of my friends, I definitely would have tried to help retaliate something, you know, because it's not like I knew that was a police officer until after they were in the act of trying to grab her up. There was um, in the article, they mentioned some of the officers had badges, but they had black bands over them. So you couldn't read what the numbers were, what their names were. And it, it really is about instilling fear in people because none of this, all the things that they're claiming she had a warrant out. You can send somebody something in the mail that they have to appear in court. Like there's no there's no rhyme or reason that says you would have to have that number of big ass grown ass men wrestling somebody down a teenager down and throwing her in a van because you think she did something to a camera like they just are so bold with putting out these statements and trying to make themselves look like the victim in spite of everyone being able to see that that is not the case mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. so clearly inappropriate I swear yeah, it just it, it it just seems like such a um, like a like what I was saying before about it being like a closed culture. I the people it's just like when your community is so small. Like if you're in like this police community, even if you're doing bad things, like you're you're getting shut out. Uh, you're shutting the rest of the world out. So it's like you know the whole like how can you live with yourselves? Well. I don't know. Just trying to get into like the mindset of like, who are these people? Like, what? How, how do they go about their lives? You know, because it's the cognitive dissonance of them clearly like knowing what they're doing. I don't know. It's messed up. I'm sure it's not revelatory for well, me to say so, but no, it's like a power thing, right? It's people who it's like a like a macho like power thing i don't know how like you know it's it's like a mentality that is blatant and obvious i feel like is the person that you mentioned that you know matt who's a cop like do you talk to them about these things or ask what they think about what's going on yeah yeah certainly um mostly i'll i'll ask them specific things about like if a new program, like, uh, there was like a de-escalation program that was getting implemented in the uh, Bloomington, which is like a small city in Minnesota police department. And I was asking them if like, it actually was 
doing something or if it was kind of just something to placate uh, people's complaints. And I didn't get a good answer because they kind of were like, oh, well, you know, we get so many trainings about everything anyway. And so I don't know. You know, everyone thinks that their people are good. Everyone thinks that they're doing as best they can. Um, so. Yeah, I guess, you know, it's, but again, there's the power dynamics, right? Because it's like the best they can for who, right? Exactly. Who who are you really serving and protecting? Yeah, <sighs> so. <laughs> I mean, wow. it's an awkward conversation being like, Yo, do you think it's okay to, like, live uh, 22 miles from the community you police? You know, like, the answer is pretty clear. But, um, but Absolutely. And no one should be instilling fear into people um, just because they're on a power trip or they trying to make an example. Like, we're way beyond those, those tactics even making any sense. Not, not like they ever did, so... Um, definitely an important story. Thank you so much, Jasmine, for bringing that detailed account. Um, definitely have to stay vigilant against these cops. So let's take our first music break. Um, it's August, and we have all new music for you today. The first track comes from my favorite, one of my favorite artists, Brandy. This record is off her new album, B7, which she released early this morning at like 3 a.m. Uh, here is I Am More. We'll be right back. Look what you done started Kissing me in cars My mind isn't retarded My feelings on Mars yeah. Tell me that you're sorry You can't leave her She can't do what I can do Tell me that you love me yeah. And you're nothing like us No more I love you Or a side piece or the I need more Cause I am more Than the love you have for her Her love for you Said you need signs from the Lord I'm the truth and proof that's beyond For you But never ever for you oh, I feel where your heart is You don't know who you are But I take everything diva It's all from the heart Tweaking like my heart's wired Cocoa butter for the skies Give me one choice And I won't take you as you are I'm my own oh, oh, oh. More than Welcome back to Objection to the Rule, your live Sunday morning news hour on Radio Free Brooklyn. And now we're in for some national news. Matt, what do you have for us today? That's right. I have a story 
about uh, Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma. Uh, Teresa, did you ever finish um, The Watchmen? Were you watching that show? Isn't that set in Oklahoma? Modern day Tulsa? Yes, I was. I was. I did kind of finish it, but I was so confused. Like, sci-fi and me, I need some time with it. So I kind of understand what happened, but I have to go back and watch, like, the last two episodes so I can put all the pieces together. This story takes place, at least in part, in Oklahoma. Um, When I was reviewing which national story to do, uh, I was kind of going through a list And there's just so much going on that just like all the things we could have covered normally would have like melted our brains, but we're far past that, uh, what would you call it, neurological liquidification at this point. So here's just a short list of things that happened in the past week. Uh, Trump alludes to suspending the election. Trump is advised that the recent Supreme Court ruling on DACA means that he, as president, cannot enforce choice programs that he dislikes, like certain immigration policies or health care systems. The leaders of Apple, Facebook, Google, and Amazon all testified before Congress to explain how they're not monopolies. Um, the Senate fails to pass a new relief bill. Uh, there was John Lewis's funeral. Uh, Beyonce's new visual album just dropped uh, and that Brandy album that you were just talking about Um, so yeah (laughs) a lot's going on and so it's easy to miss out on other news that would have seemed pretty big like do you remember when the Supreme Court ruled that half of Oklahoma was native land which yes I do (laughs) that, that would have been like a pretty big headline um, so what, what is all that about? Uh, it, I think it kind of gives us the wrong idea of what Oklahoma is, but a lot of the headlines were like Supreme Court rules, half of Oklahoma is now native land. So anyway, let's jump back to 1997. A man named Jim C. McGirt, a member of the Seminole Nation, was convicted by the state of Oklahoma for child rape and other sex crimes. He was given a life sentence 21 years later. He contested his conviction. The Atlantic, in an article in The Atlantic, summarizes it as, quote, McGirt contended that because his offenses occurred on lands guaranteed to the Muscogee Creek Nation in a 1866 treaty, one never legally extinguished by Congress, only federal authorities could prosecute his case, end quote. Which is a weird argument, which basically says that Congress had not yet legally extinguished the treaty, which means they forgot to officially violate the treaty, you know, officially break the treaty. So in a five to four ruling, the Supreme Court agreed with this man's argument. The ruling confirmed that over half of Oklahoma is native land because they're saying that they hadn't officially abandoned that treaty. Therefore the treaty still stands. Um, and therefore, the Oklahoma state government can't bring charges against Native people on that land. The five main tribes in Oklahoma are Cherokee, Chickasaw, Choctaw, and Seminole. Now, this doesn't mean that non-Natives are going to be like kicked out of their houses, or as Ted Cruz put it in a tweet, quote, Neil Gorsuch and the four liberal justices just gave away half of Oklahoma. Literally, Manhattan is next, end quote. That's not happening, (laughs) Uh, Senator Cruz. 
immediately the implications are strictly about prosecutorial jurisdictions. I do think it's kind of interesting that Ted Cruz was more angry about Native Americans uh, getting land than a child rapist conviction being overturned. Uh, a bit revealing, my friend. A quote from a SF Gate article puts it like this, quote, not one inch of land changed hands today, said Janadev Chandhuri, uh, Chadahuri, ambassador for the Creek Nation. She said, all that happened was cl clarity was brought to potential prosecutions within Creek Nation. The decision puts in doubt hundreds of state convictions of Native Americans and could change the handling of prosecutions across a vast swath of the state. Lawyers were also examining whether it had broader implications for taxing, zoning, and other governmental functions, end quote. So, after over 370 mostly broken treaties by the U.S. government, it's nice to see some action rectifying this one. It's been a pretty big week or month uh, for uh, news relating Native Americans. It's been overwhelmingly positive. There's been some pretty big strides. Um, the New York Times summarized it as such, quote, in the past few weeks, tribal activists garnered international attention after they blocked the roads outside Mount Rushmore to condemn President Trump's visit to what they call stolen lands. They won a fight to shut down an oil pipeline that crossed sacred ground in North Dakota, in the face of growing pressure from corporate sponsors, the Washington Redskins of the NFL recently promised to reevaluate their team name, which activists have denounced for years as racist, end quote. And on the other coast, there was another big win. But again, the headline was a little bit misleading. One headline was, quote, after 250 years, Big Sur land finally returned to Native American tribe, end quote. This headline is true, but it makes it sound like all of Big Sur is being returned, while in fact, all that's being returned is one area about five miles inland of private property. It's beautiful. The pictures are very nice. Uh, again, from SF Gate, quote, 1,200 acres of underdeveloped private property near Big Sur, known as the Alder Ranch are being transferred to the Eslin tribe of Monterey County. The property is home to old growth redwoods and endangered wildlife, such as the California condor and red legged frog, which will be protected as part of the deal. End quote. So that's great, but I would have been better. It would have been even better if the coveted coastline on one of the most scenic and popular spots of the Pacific coast highway was also returned to the original people of the land. Now, a lot of this is good news, um, steps forward, certainly. But I think many of these amp examples could give us an insight into how social change may go forward in the future, um, how reparations may take place for America's descendants of enslaved people. As we see in Oklahoma, the current deeds, businesses, and property of non-Native citizens were not redirected to the Native people who were forced off their homes. The status quo wasn't actually upended very much, just the jurisdiction detail was corrected. The Washington football team's name will be changed, but not the racist owner and supporters of the team that have defended that racial slur. 
undeveloped land was returned to the Esalen tribe, but not the highly profitable developed land on the coastline. And the headlines were big and looked like reparations, you know, half of Oklahoma is native land. And I'm not dismissing the importance of these strides or the all the work it took for the advocates of these actions, but they weren't really reparations, they were improvements. And currently, so many people are getting on board with ideas of like reparations and racial healing, but I'm nervous a lot of them may end up being kind of watered down actions like uh, and, and compromises that I mean, I'm okay with compromises, but smaller things like how some of these stories, they looked a lot bigger than they actually were. Interesting. Thank you for bringing that story, Matt. It's hard sometimes to break down exactly how these things work, but I do think this is um, moving the right direction. I mean, as we were talking last week, trying to correct shit that's just been wrong for so long doesn't seem like great strides, but... Um, every little bit counts, I guess. Um, <laughs> and I'm, you see, I'm saying that lightly. I do mean it. I'm just saying that, you know. Yeah, it, it is a, a bit too late. I mean, very, very, some, very late. some of the things are, are proactive measures, but a lot of times it's just like getting to getting to zero, right? Like getting a team to not have a racial slur as their name, like. You know, it's like, God damn it. Just getting to like zero is so much work. Um, That's actually been a really big thing going on at my hometown. So um, we are our mascot was the Chiefs is the Chiefs currently. And there's currently two different petitions on change.org, one to keep it and one to change it. And my town is also predominantly white vastly white um i don't know if there's any native population there and forgive me if there is but it wasn't like a part of the culture at all um and it's wild and it's really interesting um but there are things changing like i remember i mean compared to when i was actually in high school there was one girl a year older than me that um tried to start a petition to change it even back then in 2008 2007 and she got like just annihilated like you know um, emotionally I should say I, I don't I wasn't her friend but like that she you know just like attacked not physically but like by the football team by the community like all of it and there was even this whole backlash where like I don't know who did this but it was like after a pep rally or something and they had like a a white guy dressed up as a Native American like come out on the football field like on like a horse it was like it's wild and then you know the way things have changed now where the fact that there's even like like the support behind the move to change it is there um but like there are still people that are sticking their you know their heels in the ground for sure too yeah and they're not even being asked to like pay up yet you know <laughs> like like white right. people yeah, like, we're having money. such a hard time just being accused of racism but it's like, like right. we're not even getting to the hard stuff yet you know right there's not even money involved at that point yeah i mean you know or it's nominal f- funds to change names and stuff but yeah it's levels to this shit right yeah <laughs> i mean every little little bit is something to be um to be acknowledged but yeah, you're right. The real work hasn't really begun. This is just the surface level. So 
Um, but definitely, you know, sort of good news to hear. And I appreciate that national story. Any other feedback before we go into our next music break? All right. <laughs> so I guess it's synonymous. It's time to take another break before we get into our world news and a little bit of good news. This is 23-year-old Georgia Smith with By Any Means. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Trying to figure out why Too much time to be patient All this time you be feeding us lies Ain't no truth in your statements Too much pain in these little white lies You left here All this time trying to figure out how We're still here I take pride in the things that we've done Side by side in the revolution Won't stay silent for things that I love Cause we know them not care about us Why men can't jump but at least they can't run Both these chains have to put hands up They can never see the kingdom coming You wanna see us all the mess of nothing I can see your face, see the light in your eyes I can see the change, feel the heat of the fire you can feel the pain and you know you're alive Both feet on the line, by enemies I will fight No more, enemies I will fight By enemies I will fight By enemies I will fight I've spent too many days in my head now did you think we would forget her? Too many destinies, too many sentences Red now, red now See all this pain in the headlines But I have cried for the last time But no one happens to you would be blind If it was just an eye for an eye And what if we change the world? We rise from the flames of victor It's far from a perfect picture I know it's sinful, but we are human Would you be grateful if you took my place? Say my name there is redemption in the steps we take. Say one life, and I'm gonna use it. Innocence till I'm proven. One last chance, and you blew it. One last dance in the ruins. So much hate in your movements. Told me I couldn't prove it. One last prayer for the sinners. You only learn what you witness. I can see your face, see the light in your eyes. I can see the change. Welcome back to Objection to the Rule, live on Radio Free Brooklyn. That last track was By Any Means by 23-year-old Georgia Smith, who is from the UK. Uh, that track is actually a part of a compilation uh, coming from Rock Nation called The Reprise. And it is a compilation of social justice-themed tracks. Uh, Smith did an interview, and she um basically had this to say. It really came from going to the Black Lives Matter protests and leaving thinking, what can I do with this conversation and keep it going? It's not just social media, it's life. So I hope you enjoyed that track. Definitely looking to hear more from that compilation. All right, so I am up on the international news today. And this story is drawn from a few different sources, uh, a story on CNN, Al Jazeera, New York Post, and The Independent. 
So Hong Kong's leader, Carrie Lam, has invoked emergency laws to postpone September's legislative council election by a whole year, citing a worsening coronavirus outbreak as the reason. She said that the delay was needed to protect public health and guarantee fairness in the election. The move is seen as a setback for the pro-democracy opposition, which was hoping to capitalize on the disenchantment with the current pro-Beijing majority. Before her announcement, a group of 22 lawmakers had issued the following statement accusing the government of using the outbreak as an excuse to postpone the vote. Quote, Incumbent pro-democracy legislators who represent 60% of the public's opinion collectively oppose the postponement and emphasize the responsibility of the government to make every effort to arrange adequate anti-epidemic measures to hold elections in September as scheduled, end quote. On Thursday, 12 of those pro-democracy candidates were also disqualified from running for not complying with the city's mini-constitution or pledging allegiance to the local and national governments. The lead-up to the elections have been closely watched after the national security law took place in June. The new law was seen as Beijing's attempt to curb dissent in, China, in the city after months of pro-democracy and anti-government protests that took place in Hong Kong all of last year over the contra controversial but now withdrawn extradition bill that would allow suspects to be sent to the mainland for trial. Dissatisfaction with the Hong Kong government helped the pro-democracy bloc achieve a landslide victory in the local district council elections last November. Many believed it would have been the much-needed momentum for the opposition to gain the majority in this upcoming legislature vote. Many have also accused the government of wanting to avoid a potential loss following the imposition of the national security law, which bans succession, subversion, terrorism, and collusion with foreign forces. The postponement drew criticism from the New York-based Human Rights Watch Group that made the following statement, postponing the September elections for a year is a cynical move to contain a political emergency, not a public health one. This simply allows Hong Kong's chief executive, Carrie Lam, to deny Hong Kong people their right to choose their government. Without making an attempt to look at alternative methods of voting or ensuring all voting rights will be respected, her and her backers in Beijing are merely masking repression under the guise of public health, end quote. The White House on Friday condemned China's decision to delay the election in Hong Kong by one year due to the coronavirus pandemic, and even Trump continued floating the, uh, as he continued floating the idea that the elections for November in the U.S. could possibly also be delayed. Um, that came 24 hours after he had signaled he would support, even prefer, that these elections were delayed, arguing that massive increase in mail-in ballots due to fears about voting in person inevitably will lead to a widespread fraud. Trump also cited recent media reports detailing problems with mail-in ba ballots and warned that a big number of ballots, ballots suggesting enough to change the election's outcome could arrive late causing uncertainty for weeks or even years i don't even know what that means but um yeah so this is happening um in china i definitely think that we are all um, looking to the east for a lot of different updates of what's happening in the world right now but um after the story we brought in last week um about all of the changes that have taken place under this new national security law. I believe that this specific story is showing us how um, this is unprecedented. And not to say that the elections have always been free and fair in any place in this world. Uh, specifically in China, we, we really don't know all the time what happens there with a lot of different things because of the secrecy in the government. But this um, 
you know, move to not create alternatives for elections to still happen under the pandemic is something that we've been talking about quite a bit on this show. Um, I think it's interesting how how Trump is, you know, flipping back and forth, which he always does. One minute he's saying, oh, we need to delay it. It won't be safe. The next minute he's saying, well, you know, that could take up to years. Um, but it, uh, it almost sounds like the same sort of rhetoric that's coming out of China at this point. What do you guys mm-hmm. think about this story? I think it's so funny for him to cite like Hong Kong and this move to justify his own. <laughs> like that's, that's, I know. You're right? not really like, making a good point. Here? He's like, such an like, opportunist, like obviously. Like, wait, does he think that people like think like <laughs> like they agree with the measures that Hong Kong is, are doing? Like, like, Teresa, did you say if if the announcement from China came before or after Trump's tweet about wanting to delay the election? Um, it came. That came less than 24 hours after. After? Yeah, um, so he was inspired. He was like, oh, wait, this is an option where I'm losing in the polls and this is a way for me to, like, you know, save some time so I can turn the polls around before the election. So transparent. Right? Uh, Turn the polls around or get away with voter fraud. Right, or both. Yeah, both. We already are aware that that is a part of his, his lingo, so... Um, yeah, it's almost like he's justifying it. Like he's using it to justify what will happen, you know? I yeah. think for me, it's been frustrating to the number of people who, as soon as he tweeted that, there were a lot of people that were very quick to be like, oh, that's not possible. It's not legal. That can't happen. And I just don't understand like what what world have they been in for the past four years? Like, there's been so many different things that people are like, oh, that wouldn't happen. That's against the law. It's like he's been breaking laws since before he got into office. That's Absolutely. A, yeah, that's a really good point, Jasmine. I was also, like, happily surprised to see that, like, basically, like, every single Republican, including Mitch McConnell, was like, no, <laughs> just yeah. straight out. Which is important because it's, it's not tr- that Trump gets away with things. It's that people let him you know like every step along the way people defended the muslim ban people justified the immigration policies like all of that Mm -hmm. was done with by enablers you know so it is important mm -hmm. that republicans haven't fallen in line with this one i mean it's also kind of sad that (laughs) i don't know yeah i mean i've been seeing a lot of stuff online where it's like you know people are always wondering like when is the line going to get crossed? Like, but it's like, it's not about the line getting crossed. It's like, it's, it's people incrementally moving the line so that it's like, you, you know, suddenly things that weren't okay four years ago are now, you know, widely accepted. Cause it's like shrug, whatever. And it is interesting to see that. Okay. Well, I guess this is where the line is right now. <laughs> well, yeah. He's crossed it. I saw a Twitter thread that said something similar. It's like whenever people are waiting for some big moment, it's like you're waiting for some big moment that never comes because in the time that you're waiting, the goalpost has been moved consistently. Right. Yeah. I think that's probably what I was seeing. Yeah. And, and like someone pointing to like one of the clearest like China's uh, control over Hong Kong is like a very clear, literal anti-democratic thing. And the leader of the United States pointing to that as like the example of what he wants to do. Like, yeah, if, if we were looking for a sign, 
like it it's it was you know a, a we couple don't years need a ago sign. his face is orange okay we don't need a sign i'm i'm being silly but i'm saying though like i don't know this is this shit is bonkers um yeah. definitely let's just keep a lookout on you know not the tweets but the tweets i feel like that's the only time we really get how he's really feeling because all the stuff he does in front of the press is whack but whatever mm-hmm. more to come on this story i definitely think that um this we're gonna see so much come out from this national security law in china so i'll keep my ear locked in to as these stories unfold but definitely um something to think about hopefully we are still actively fighting voter suppression um, as I keep saying every week on the show, because we absolutely cannot stop. So, uh, all right. Well, and for our final story today, Emily, please grace us with some good news. I'd be happy to. And it's actually uh, quite, I don't know if serendipitous is the word, but mine is also related to voter suppression. Um, so here we go. I uh, found the story via uh, Tanks Good News, but the research comes from a July fourth, uh, July I'm sorry, July twenty fourth Politico article written by Gary F- uh, Finout, titled "LeBron James Joins Push to Turn Out Ex Felon Vote in Florida," uh, as well as a July seventeenth NPR article by Nina Totenberg uh, for some background information. Uh, so, first of all, a little background on the laws around the right to vote for felons in Florida. Quote, in 2018, nearly two-thirds of the Florida electorate voted to amend the state constitution and allow felons to vote. The amendment applied to felons who had completed their parole or probation periods, and it did not apply to those convicted of murder or sexual offenses. The referendum was something of an end run around the Republican-controlled legislature, and its passage meant that some 1.4 million felons in the state would be eligible to vote. And that's from NPR. Uh, and that's a huge deal in a uh, in a state like Florida that's such a major swing state in elections in national elections. Uh, another quote, um, the GOP control GOP controlled legislature, however, sought to limit the effects of the amendment by passing a law that conditioned the right to vote on payment of all fees, fines and restitution that were part of the sentence in each felon's case. So that was uh, originally stopped by the courts as it amounted to an unconstitutional poll tax. And with the ruling and the judge who made the ruling finding that what he called the overwhelming majority of felons wouldn't be able to pay what they owed if they could even find out what they owed. Um, since there's currently like no system in place for uh, an ex someone who's gotten out of jail to figure out what money they owe, so and because the, the Republican legislature just didn't care, right? They were doing this specifically to keep people from voting. Um, but then in earlier this month, in uh, this July, in July, I guess when you're hearing this will be August. Earlier in July, uh, an appeals court uh, apparently quote without explanation allowed for the law on the required payment of fees to stand. This meant that the estimated 85,000 felons who have already registered to vote could be prosecuted if they exercise their ability to vote and it is later found out that they have not paid all of their fees or fines. Uh, there is a hearing set for this for this whole situation on August 18th, which also happens to be the day of the state primary in Florida, which is rather suspicious timing, uh, it sounds like. No? Maybe? Um, all right. So that's all pretty fucked up. That's the background you need to know so that you understand why what I'm about to say is such good news. Um, 
So there is a group called More Than a Vote, which was founded by LeBron James and other black athletes and entertainers after the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Um, And that group will be donating $100,000 to the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition to be put towards the paying of outstanding debts standing in the way of ex-felons exercising their ability to vote. The Florida Rights Restoration Coalition was part of the push behind the constitutional amendment lifting the lifetime voting ban in Florida for people with felony convictions. Uh, Quote, the coalition has raised more than $1.5 million for its fees and fines fund, but the partnership with more than a vote is expected to bring attention and awareness to the effort. And that's from Politico. Uh, So more than a vote was founded with the goal of educating and protecting black voters and member and Miami Heat forward Udonis Haslam said, quote, your right to vote shouldn't depend on whether or not you can pay to exercise it. And I personally cannot agree more. So, yeah, that is my good news story, guys. What do you think? I love it. Thank you for sharing that. You know, it's interesting how um, we're seeing a lot more engagement, you know, with celebrities and actually putting their money into these uh, pockets um, of our of our system and our, our society that are so needed. You know, uh, I think that a lot of people who have recently been were recently incarcerated, they kind of give up because the laws are so unclear um, about when they can have those rights back. You know, many of them just decide not to participate and those that do have so much of a struggle to find the correct information and, and to go through the proper channels so that they can be engaged. So it's good to hear that, um, you know, not just celebrities, but that there is a stance being taken to kind of alleviate some of these issues for people who have been affected in that way. I feel like I have, I have mixed feelings about the story. Like I think that it's, um, it's great that people that have the means are spending their money on something that is an important issue so that um, people that were incarcerated can be enfranchised. But just the fact that all of this money is going just towards restoring somebody's right is really depressing. Like I think of it in the same light as like bail funds. It's like, yeah, when you look at it, it's good that people have the will to donate money to get people out of jail. But the fact that that system exists is so fucked up that it's hard yeah. to fully see it as a net positive. You know, like it's really obscene the amounts of money that it takes just to have someone be free, you know, and be able to exercise their right to vote if they choose to do that. You know, like that money could be going towards so many other things like that would keep people alive and healthy and help them to thrive. But it's like you're burning it because it shouldn't have had to be paid anyway, just so someone can vote. You know, like it's it's so insidious. I I agree, Jasmine. Yeah, I think I agree. Yeah. I agree. There's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, I, I had to give that background too, you know, because I also the more I was, I was, I picked the story, and then the more I read, the more negative stuff there was involved in that story. But at this, if I also see it as sort of like it's like the the gasping last breaths of this old system that didn't even let like people with felony convictions vote at all, right? So like these people, like there's this widespread agreement that that's not right. 
and there's and there's this movement that can't be stopped i think is is an as the way i sort of was approaching it from a good news story point of view where yeah there's this fucked up system that's trying to push back but that's like there's there's too much it feels like there's too much power behind the 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 side fighting for that not to happen fighting to push forward but yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of fucked up shit going on. <laughs> yeah. So a good yeah. way to look at it. Like, you know, people that are afraid of losing power, they lash out and they right. do whatever they can to, you know, prevent progress. So let's hope that it is going to lead to more permanent change. Yeah. Well, in, in Hong Kong, the um, that delay in the election, the last time they had an election, the pro-democracy candidates, they hadn't they got an overwhelming amount of the the council elections, you know? So, like, behind every one of these grotesque actions is, is generally a response to, to people uh, taking power back. It's a process, and it's levels, and I'm sure that we will continue <laughs> to see these walls break down, you know, yeah. walls that shouldn't even be up there in the first place, yeah. Yeah. to Jasmine's I think, point. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize how many... Like the whole uh, like fact that felt like people with felony convictions can't vote, and how many people in this country that disenfranchises like in a country with like what's our like we have the most people in jail percentage wise in the world or something, yeah. Um, and what that means for who's deciding who gets to stay in power, and I think you know it's it's a huge deal when these laws are getting passed that give people with felony convictions back their right to vote keeping in mind that people with violent convictions aren't given those rights back um whether that makes you feel better or i don't know i don't know what's kind of weird though like associating morality with voting because it's it's yeah i don't really think of it as a moral question it's more just like how democracy works right it's there's also there's also the fact that you can count the people that are in a prison for population purposes like yeah. when it comes to representation but right. those people do not get to vote and i don't yeah. think pe- people need to make the connection between what populations in this country are over policed are charged for things that certain other people like white people rich people don't get charged for like it all has a cumulative effect of like you end up basically that's why people make the connection between mass incarceration and slavery like where you have the system where you still get to have like disproportionate power for your state or your area because of these disproportionately black poor disabled disenfranchised people that you're warehousing in your areas mm. Yeah, yeah, we, that was, uh, I think Code Switch did an episode about like a city in Wisconsin where they have, it's like, it's a prison city. It's a small town that the entire economy is a prison. And so you have like these, these, uh, these, these political reps that just like represent all these people that have nothing to do with the city. It's, it's just fucked up. Yeah, and like people being kidnapped for protesting, people being labeled as terrorists and so on by the government. It's strategic because if you then get people that disagree with the status quo in the machinery of the prison system, you also are functionally like making them non-citizens, like you're taking away their right in the future to have a voice, you know, like it's all so interconnected and sinister. Yeah, and they don't, they don't uh, object. Those those motherfuckers don't rest on their laurels, right? Like my piece earlier was about how headlines 
can be misleading. And yeah, like two years ago, I saw that headline, like two thirds of Florida vote to uh, give people the right to vote. And I was like, great. End of that chapter. It's like, no way. <laughs> These people against voting, uh, they're not, you know, they're not relaxing. And we can't either. So thank you for um, that story, Emily. Definitely brought about a great conversation for us to continue having. And I believe that's it for this week's Objection to the Rule. Thanks for listening. You can catch all of our older episodes on the RadioFreeBrooklyn.org or on the Radio Free Brooklyn app, on Spotify, or anywhere you can find iTunes podcasts. Listen up. Next, for more independent Brooklyn media, we're going to play you out with our final track of the day. This is Sam Smith featuring Burner Boy with My Oasis. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Keep thinking that I'm seeing water. You're playing tricks on me in the sun. See a shadow in the courtyard. Stays until the day is done. I don't